0: High Media presents, Are You Tracking With Me? With your host, Pastor Dave Williams. Contact your host, Pastor Dave Williams, by email at dave at LLC.com. Let's join Pastor Dave with how to break out of a spiritual slump. It's funny
1: that I would uh, preach a message like I'm, I'm going to preach today. I to come out of a spiritual slump or how to break out of a spiritual slump because y'all kind of feel like it today uh, when you come to worship sometimes you can literally feel sometimes the fatigue in the air sometimes it's just a physical thing but we do get in spiritual slumps sometimes but uh, uh, i have some real special guests here my daughter's here leslie yeah my daughter my, my oldest there uh you've heard all the stories i've told on her in in the pulpit so i'll i'll restrain myself today while she's gone uh, and, uh, uh, my two grandsons and they headed out to the children's church, didn't they? Good. I'm, I'm going to talk about them a little bit. You know, one of the joys of, of being a, a, a grandparent is to see your grandchildren and to see them participate in some of the things that you enjoyed, you know, when you were growing up and that you gave yourself to, and they embrace it. And, uh, this summer I got to see some of my grandsons play ball, uh, Solomon, he's back there. I got to see him this summer play ball. I got to see Ben last fall, I think it was, play soccer. And uh, I got to see Asa, my other grandson, uh, play ball last week. And he played in an all star tournament. And so he's a good ball player. He's a really good ball player. And I want to tell you about the game, okay? You're going, oh, God, here goes a grandfather story. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Uh, First game, uh, our team, and you know what that means, my guys, uh, jumps out to a lead and. uh, Asa comes up to bat, and uh, he strikes out, he strikes out, and uh, the other team comes uh, to bat, and they score several runs, and they take the lead. Uh, Another kind of round of batting around, and then Asa comes to bat, and he strikes out again. I don't know if you're doing the math, that's twice. Uh, In my family, that's not permitted. No. (laughs) I'm going, you know, you process and he's not seeing the ball and I'm going, is it the pressure of the all-stars? I mean, it was big. It was, it was big arena ball for a kid. How old is Asa? Eight, eight years old. It's big arena ball. They even painted the outfield guys. I kid you not. That thing was green, man. They painted the outfield. It was the big league. And so I'm wondering, is is it the pressure of the all-stars? Then, uh, uh our guys are ahead. Then they are ahead. And then the bottom falls out. The rain comes canceled all the games of that night. So we had to pick it up Saturday morning. We finished the game and our guys lose. So you move from uh, a great bracket called the winner's bracket. Can we say amen to a bracket called the, together, loser's bracket with a big L, right? You know? And so two o'clock Saturday afternoon, new game in the loser's bracket. Our guys go out immediately, uh, jump on them for several runs. Then they come back in uh, and they score a few runs. Our guys come back in for another round of batting and ace bats and he, he gets a hit hallelujah <laughs> he gets hit but it's caught it's caught so he didn't he really didn't get a good hit in in, in the Williams family okay <laughs> uh, our guys go on to win the game and uh but Ace is kind of struggling and I, I, he's kind of in a slump he usually doesn't go that long well the games are supposed to resume on Monday and we had to get back and we we came back and uh we could not go there would like to have been there but we're just getting a play-by-play via text and phones can we say amen yeah. Don't you love having a smartphone sometimes? So we're just getting the play-by-play. It's a very tight game. The scores back and forth. Games are very close. The other team goes up by a few runs. Our team's comes back, and our guys are batting. And three guys come up, and they get hits, and they're on, and the bases is loaded. And it's aces turn to bat. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Aces turn to bat. And not that anybody would think like this, and they're going, From the track record, this could be a double play because Asa hadn't been, well, this could, you know, not that you think that way. No, uh -uh. y'all don't do that. Uh, It could be a double play. Well, Asa takes the first pitch and that's what you do. You you don't take that first pitch. You're going to look it over. So he he, he takes the first pitch and uh, then the next ball comes and Asa hits and then heads towards the outfield right in that sweet spot. You know the sweet spot? This guy can't get to it. This guy can't get to it. Glory. Bam. Yes. Goes through those and the guys gets it. Guy on third comes home. He scores. Guy's second headed third. He starts coming around and they bobble the ball. Thank God for a bobble. Can we say bobble? You know, they bobble the ball. Asa is fast. He's fast. He's, fast. He's like his grandpa. He's fast. He's around in second. They bobble that ball, man. He's going. He comes to the third. They send him. He's fast. He goes across the plate. Yeah, just like that. Grand slam. Asa. Asa came out of the slump. And today I want to talk to you about coming out of a spiritual slump. And summertime is one of those times when you might find yourself there. Okay. Athletes hate slumps, don't we guys? We hate them. Um, And they'll try anything to get out of those slumps. Baseball players do all kinds of stuff. And I got all this stuff up here. These have been some of the sports that I love to play. Uh, I really never did do much of that you know, I I played it in the backyard. I played a couple of years, a little league, but that really, it was fun, but I never excelled at it. I was a lineman. You know why? Because I was big. (laughs) I was a lineman at Trinity high school. I remember the coach congratulating me one time for actually penetrating the, the, uh, offensive line and getting to the backfield and almost getting quarterback, but uh, I didn't succeed there. Love this game called basketball. You know, uh, down in Seagrove, I pastored in Seagrove for four years. Every Friday night, there's a guy in the church rented out the gym. We played basketball from 7.30 to 11 o'clock every night. I was lean and mean, and I was thin. Hallelujah. Thank God for basketball. But uh, love that sport, though. It's a great, great sport. It uh, keeps you in. Uh, but I never had a chance to go into a slump. Uh, this game right here is probably the love of my heart. Uh, softball and baseball. Uh, I've been playing since I was around twelve or thirteen years old, and when I grab that, something goes through my body. There's people in this room that can relate. If I see lights on the field at night, uh, I'm it. Caught, uh, I start leaning towards the field, you know. But just the feel of a bat, you kind of, you just oh, don't you love that feeling? Phil, well, feel it, I know you, <laughs> you know. And these various people do different things to get out of a slump. And for me, getting out of a slump in baseball usually meant I, I change bats. I have four bats in there. And the amazing thing is these two bats are the same weight and the same length. But if I change sometimes, it, it will bring me out of a slump. Why? I don't know. I'm just glad it works. How about y'all? <laughs> you know, but sometimes you have to change things up, mix things up, try something you haven't tried before to come out of a slump. Now, this game here. Oh, boy. I want you to know that I have a consistent record in this game. I started in a slump. I'm still in a slump, and I will never get out of a slump. The guy who created this game is very cruel. Very cruel. He has no compassion in his body. He likes to torture people. And I have to tell you that I never played this game until uh, till my daughters got married. And I was always competing with my son-in-laws. I'm faster than my son-in-laws. Yes, I am. They don't like it. I can probably outplay him at baseball, basketball, and now I cannot outshoot Luke Board. Luke Board is a serious hunter. Luke Board took down a 19-point buck about a, two years ago, uh, fourth in the country, uh, size-wise. It's stuffed in his office. Don't mess with it, <laughs> and don't make him Luke a uh, Luke anger if he's got a gun in his hand. He's a very serious hunter, so he's got me there. But my son-in-laws, because they love me so much, bought me golf clubs for Father's Days and takes me out on the court and kills me. Take me out just, just to beat me, just to beat me, you know, and that's how it is. So it's amazing what links these guys will go to come out of a slump, you know. I think Christians should take note when they're in a slump, when they're in a spiritual slump. I think it can be a building block in your spiritual life, and we should be able to recognize when we're kind of going into that dry spells in our lives when you can't seem to pray past the ceiling. And maybe when reading the Bible seems more more frustrating than losing a game. You know, we should be aware of them. And I will admit that sometimes it's hard to recognize that you might be in a spiritual slump. I shared with you one time when I had kind of fell into some depression and it took another pastor to tell me I didn't want to, I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to recognize it, but it took another pastor to, it was John Allard who said, Pastor Dave, you're depressed. And, you know, so sometimes you don't want to recognize it and sometimes you can't see it. Okay. But if you walk with the Lord at any time, you're you're going to go through a spiritual slump, probably maybe more than one. Uh, And they can vary in duration and time and all those things but, uh, and the spiritual slump can kind of make you feel spiritually dysfunctional. God seems distant. You, you, you struggle with troubling thoughts. Maybe your hearts uh, just don't seem to have the joy that they, they had at one time. Uh, you're somewhat spiritually depressed and that can move into other areas of your life. And you, you kind of feel like maybe you're fighting a losing battle. You hit a plateau. You're kind of stuck. And you're maybe not aware of it right away, but at some point you realize that maybe you're not quite as excited about the things of the Lord as you used to be. And you're probably maybe even still going to church and maybe even reading your Bible and praying, but something's missing. And I've seen these people that get burned out from serving in the church. And so they kind of start, well, I want to kick back. (laughs) I guess they say they're going to spiritually retire. (laughs) How y'all doing out there? Then slowly, the air leaks out of their spiritual tires, and um, they can move into a spiritual slump. It's easy to happen. It really, really is, when you've been a Christian for numerous years. Um, In the scripture, I think there are some people that went through some spiritual slumps, if you just think about some of them. Um, I think uh, Jonah went through a spiritual slump. Now, I don't know how much you know about Jonah, but I've been studying Jonah now for about six months. I've been working through a Bible study on Jonah and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, The study guide that I'm using was written by a lady, but I never thought about Jonah as being in a spiritual slump because most of us in this room, the only thing we know about Jonah is the book of Jonah. But Jonah had prophesied previously to, to the book of Jonah. And when he prophesied, he prophesied good news. God had sent judgment and Jonah came back on the scene and Jonah said, "Hey, God's going to restore, God's going to bring you back, God's going to rescue you." So he was real popular, man. He brought good news. And so that was a good time. Well, the next time God calls him to go a place he didn't want to go. And he he didn't respond very well to that. And I think he was kind of maybe in a spiritual slump at that point in time. He didn't respond to all of God's directives. And so it's kind of neat. Uh, uh, Elijah Elijah met a wonderful lady by the name of Jezebel. Y'all remember her? She intimidated that guy, and I think he was kind of in a spiritual. This guy called down fire from heaven, and then he gets depressed by the threat of a woman. (laughs) Sounds like us guys in this room. Can we say amen? You know? Uh, So he, I I think he kind of went into a spiritual slump. Jeremiah, man, he had some tough things. If you go through, you'll just find spiritual slumps all the way from Genesis to Revelation. You'll find guys doing that. And then, of course, recently, you know, we've been preaching through the book of David. And then David, that whole year in his life of what I call a year of unrepentance, that affair with Bathsheba and all that, I think that's a spiritual slump, you know? And so uh, uh, I want you to listen to David. I, I think he can kind of inspire us here in Psalm 13, okay? Um, this is kind of where David found himself. And, and David is the guy who pins a lot of things for us. And he describes the situation in verses 1 and 2. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Question mark. How long shall I take counsel in my soul? Do you know what that means? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? It's so simple. You know what it means? How long shall I talk to myself? I'm. I'm what's wrong with you, soul? How are you doing? he talks to himself. How long shall I take counsel? Uh, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? Having sorrow in my heart all the days, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? Uh, I, if i paraphrase this in the light of a spiritual slump, I'd do it like this. How long, Lord, are you going to let me sit on the bench? How come you never look at my way when you need a sub in the game? You know, I'm at the point of talking to myself about this. It's on my mind all the time. How long am I going to keep losing this battle, losing this game? He's kind of in a spiritual slump. But I like that David worked this out, and I like what he did. And the first thing that he did is he appealed to God in verses 3 and 4. He said, consider and answer me. Hey, Lord, hey, remember me? Remember me? Answer me. Oh, Lord, my God, enlighten my eyes. Let me see. Give me, open up my eyes so I can see where I'm at, or I'll sleep the sleep of death, and my enemies will say I have overcome him, and my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. So I like the fact that, yeah, he's kind of in a spiritual slump, but he comes to God and says, hey, God, uh, look, hey, I need your help. Open my eyes. Let me see. And then I like what he does in verse five. He restates his trust in the Lord, but I've trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And I love the next thing in verse six. David continues to praise. He continues to worship. He says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. When you find yourself in a slump, I want to encourage you to, yeah, I want to encourage you to talk to God. And sometimes I want to encourage you to plead with God, you know? And uh, so you need to do that. You need to trust him. You need to praise him. And I like this statement because we used to say it, get back in the game. So in the remainder of this message, I want to talk with you about how to come out of a spiritual slump. I want to give you some attitudes and some actions, some things that I think will help you. And somebody else is going to help me in just a few moments, too. The first thing I, I, I want to talk with you about is the role of coaches. I love coaches. I think coaches are invaluable. Um, so you may need to listen to a coach. You may need to tap into somebody to help be a spiritual coach to you. I had several in my life, but the sad part is it took me probably a good 10, 15 years before I even realized that, you know, there are people that can kind of spiritually coach you. And so you might want to consider a spiritual coach. Between Friday of that ball game that my grandson Asa was playing in and Monday when he hit the grand slam. His dad, who was a coach on the team, pulled Asa aside and gave him some coaching. He said, son, you need to do this. You need to do that. How about this? When he comes back, he's out of the slump. A coach, a coach can be in a great, great thing. Have you ever noticed that teams have more than one coach? There's a reason for that. There's different needs. There's different things. And in your spiritual life, sometimes you need a spiritual coach. You might need some coaching in prayer. You might need some coaching in Bible reading. You know, you could you could use some coaching. I want you to know that uh you can you can be coached in several different ways. And I want you to know there's a lot of resources that can serve as a coach for you. Okay. Uh This is a great coach. It's a great coach. Unlike coaches, it doesn't raise its voice real loud, (laughs) but it does speak, doesn't it? But this can be a great, great coach. But the first thing you have to do is avail yourself to it. I've always said this, uh, you know, find your translation of the Bible that works for you, that you can understand various things. But that is a great coach. The Bible is a very, very good coach. Many times when people move into a spiritual slump, they they start kind of drifting away to some very basic things, such as Bible reading, such as church attendance. I remember one year uh, when I was pastoring in Statesville, uh, I challenged my members to, uh, and we actually put it in the bulletin, for them to chart their church attendance for the year. Not to earn brownie points or merits or any of that stuff, but just to see how many Sundays you miss, you know? Well, a few went there with me. Most wouldn't go there. They really didn't want to see how many Sundays they missed in a year. Boy, and it's awful quiet in the room right now. Of course, y'all guys ought to be saying, well, he's talking to all them people on here right now, (laughs) right? No, it's just, it's amazing that, you know, what can get our attention sometimes, what can get us into a slump. And when you start to chart things, it's amazing what can happen because you can see where you are. You can, you know, maybe you would see the pattern that led you there. You know, uh, I chart some things on my calendar that people don't know about, but, boy, I like the look. I really, uh-oh, oh, that and that. Uh, that led to that. You know, So uh, the Bible's a great, great coach. We have all kinds of tools, don't we? We have all kinds of tools. That can take us deeper in the scripture, don't we? Um, Sometimes uh, you need to go a little deeper in the word. And there's all kinds of tools out there that you can do that. This is a book that my wife and I have used several years. It's called Search the Scriptures. This is a book that if you go through it and you do a Bible study a day, you'll go through the entire Bible in three years. And it gives you a passage to read and then it asks you some questions about it. It takes you about 30 to 45 minutes to do that, okay? I have pages in notebooks where I've gone through this. I'm going to give them to my children when I'm gone so they can read them. I hope hope it inspires them. Uh, But those kind of things like that. You know, I'm amazed at what we'll spend money on for our houses, for our homes, for our personal comfort. But we won't spend some money on our spiritual lives to buy a book, to buy a book, to maybe get some coaching. You know, those kind of things. But little things like that can can bring you out of the slump, you know. So I highly recommend that kind of book. Two weeks ago, you know, we were in that series on David and we talked about how David gave place to loving God's word. How David meditated on God's word. How it became his counselor. Go just read through the Psalms and you'll see that David talks about that. I want to suggest to you that you might want to allow this book to become a mentor to you. A mentor. Um, there's a book that I want to recommend to you. And it's called, uh, let me get the name of this right. Uh, it's called The Divine Mentor. And it's written by Wayne Cordorio. He's a pastor in Hawaii. Hawaii. And his suggestion is, is that we go everywhere looking for coaches and we go everywhere looking for mentors. And some of the best are right here in this book. Some divine mentors are in this book. Just start reading in Genesis and work your way through and look at all the different situations and places where people find themselves and they talk to you out of that and they coach you out of that and mentor you out of that. This could be one of the greatest source of someone to mentor you. So uh, I recommend that book, The Divine Mentor. Great, great book, okay? The Bible is filled with mentors. Listen to what David said in regard to God's word in Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The word, the scriptures, you know. This week we had staff meeting and in uh, staff meeting... uh, Uh, With David Haynes and David Jane, we've been working through a book called Leaders Who Last. Leaders Who Last. And in this book, in the very first chapter of this book of Leaders Who Last, which ball did I kick? (laughs) We could have a lot of fun here today. (laughs) In this book, Leaders Who Last, uh, it's written by David Kraft. In the first chapter, he talks about the importance of a leader that lasts, has to continually be in the word. He has to continually be nourished and fed by the word, if you're going to last. And I think you've got to change that book to Christians who last. Christians who last have learned that, you know, you can't go very long without a, 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 a diet of this. So you, you just need to, to read that, you know. We made a note of a guy over in the Old Testament. Um, his name is Ezra. You ever read that book? Do some good to go over there, but I want you to hear what Ezra said and the mindset that he had and what he was going after. It's going to come up on the screen. Ezra 17. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it. Did you hear that? See, some people study it, but they don't practice it. And I could, you might could flip that too. Some people practice what they know, then they don't study the rest. How are we doing? You could you could flip those things. They're saying today that we're dealing with the most biblically illiterate generation ever. Ever. And I believe that. They're saying to us, pastors, when people walk into your church today, particularly uh Anyone probably under 40 today, if you mention David and Goliath, they don't know who David and Goliath is. If you mention Joshua, they don't know who it is, and you needed to tell the stories over and over again. So in your conversations in the workplace, and you mention biblical characters, you might want to say, "Sit down here, I need to tell you about this." Because <laughs> honestly, they may not know who you're making reference to. The Bible. Leaders who last, Christians who last. Have a diet of God's word. And notice what he said here. Ezra had set his heart to study the law of God and to practice it and to teach his statutes and his ordinances in Israel. Three things he said there. He was going to study the law of God. He was going to practice the law of God and he was going to teach it to Israel. I want you to know that when you're in a spiritual slump and you reduce the the word of God into your system, you're going to probably stay in that slump. You have to to give yourself. I want you to know that probably the most... uh, a uh, devastating time for me in my life was, and I've mentioned this from the pulpit, it's just marked my life. And it's a it's a marker in my life. And it's when I went through that probably a few year bout with anxiety and depression, particularly anxiety. And I, I remember that in that time uh, when I was going through that battle, I, I, I could read the Bible, but I could not remember what I read. I, I could read my Bible. I would study to preach and I could not remember anything. But I tell you what, I didn't stop. I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to study it. I'm going to give it my best shot. How about y'all? So let me encourage you to to stay in God's word when you're in that. Now I want to talk with you about familiarity. And that's a hard word to say. Say it with me. Familiarity. And I'll leave it at that. We got it right. And the spiritual slump. I mentioned Bible reading, okay? I want you to know that when you are in a spiritual slump sometimes that you might even want to consider a different translation of the scriptures. When we have read the same Bible over and over again, there's kind of this this thing that happens in your brain and you go, I uh, kind of read that and you think you kind of know it. and And the words are just very familiar. And so when you go to a different translation and it reads a little bit different, it engages you a little better. Does that make any sense? Now, be careful what translation you get. And I mean that you be very careful what translation you get and if you feel like you need to do that and you would like a recommendation I'd be happy to talk with you and I think Mike could give you some good counsel there too you know uh, uh what translations you can trust and what I'm thankful for translations I am. I'm thankful that we can have the Word of God in our language, but some of them really depart from the Word of God, and I don't want you going there. But sometimes a good translation can really help you. Uh, the Southern Baptists have done one. It's called the, the Holman Christian Reference Bible. It's a very good translation. I actually like the New Living Translation. It's a very good translation. So I'd be happy. But sometimes just that kind of thing can help bring you out of that slump in, in, in regard to the Bible, Okay. I want to talk with you about familiarity in your prayer life, okay? One of the things that can kind of bring you out of a spiritual slump is prayer. But uh, you can get in a spiritual slump in your prayer life sometimes. And uh, one of the things that brings me out of a, a, a slump when, I, when it's in my prayer life is reading about prayer. I will grab a book that I already have about prayer, and I'll start rereading it. And then I'll start hearing these stories, and I'll start being encouraged by what I've read. And I want you to know that there are still some free books in the world. Can we say amen? There is a library in the corner of this room right back there. It's called a, a, a Christian Reference Bible. There's all kinds of books in there you can read free of charge. You can take them home for extended periods of time and return them. As a matter of fact, I went in there the other day and I found a book on prayer and I was so shocked to find praying with a purpose. And what I didn't know is that it was written by a friend of mine, Stephen Rumbage, who pastored in Thomasville, North Carolina at Greenwood Baptist Church. I played basketball with him at the Y. He's pastoring in Florida now. He was the, one of the preaching pastors at Hickory Grove Church in Hickory. Uh, a great guy, but I didn't even know that was in my library and I didn't even know he'd wrote this book. It was praying with a purpose. Those are the kind of books in that library back there, and you can go grab one, and it might help bring you out of the spiritual slump. I found another one that I had recently. been reading a book about the care of your soul. Heard about a guy named Dallas Witter, Went to my home library and got one by him (laughs) called Hearing God. Reading sometimes tends to just uh, rejuvenate, challenge you, and go there. So you might want to grab a book that in that area where you're struggling, where there's Bible reading. Uh, Let me give you a few things that I can coach you with in in prayer. Uh, Not only can you get free books, but every now and then you can buy one if you like. Can we say amen? You can buy one. Uh, I want you to know there's so many free books today, it's unworld. If you have an electronic device, you have an iPad, you have a Kindle, you have an e-reader. There's so many free books, it's unreal. We really have no excuse for not having books that can stir us and inspire us, okay? Uh, I want you to know that in my prayer life, I use prayer guides. Uh, I'm so ADHD, I need a roadmap. Can we say amen? You know, I'll, I'm over here, I'm over there. But for me, I use prayer guides. I've probably got at least four or five prayer guides. One of my prayer guides is based on the word praise P R A I S E P, present yourself to God. R, raise hands, holy hands to God. A, audibly speak praise. I, enter into the day uh, with uh, faith. Uh, and so uh, I got the word acts, and that's the most famous prayer guide. If you know it, say it with me. A is for adoration. C is for. T is for. S is for. The front side of the room did real well. I didn't hear you guys in the back very much. That's a prayer guide. Spend five minutes in adoration. Spend three to five minutes in confession. Three to five minutes in thanksgiving. Spend five minutes in supplication. You Spend 20 minutes in prayer. Not that you're logging time with God, but the amazing thing that can happen is the five can become seven. The seven can become 10, and before long, it's amazing what's happened there. So I have these prayer guides. I even have one that I created myself. I have one that takes me through a whole week, and on Monday, I pray about these things. Uh, Like on Monday, I I just pray for spiritual refreshment because usually after a weekend, I'm kind of drained. And on Monday, I pray for spiritual refreshment. Uh, One day of the week, I pray over my church family. And one day of the week, I pray over my children, my grandchildren, you know, doing those things. So I have these guides, and I'll switch in and out of those so that they don't become a a rut, you know, which is just a grave with both ends kicked out. That's what a rut is. How y'all doing out there? <laughs> you get in a rut, you're liable to die in that thing. I want to talk with you about the posture of prayer, okay? One of the things that I have found is that, you know, I love people who pray in bed. When I pray in bed, wonderful things happen, <laughs> It is so peaceful when I pray in bed. No disturb. You know, that just happens to me. I can't pray in bed. If you can, great. I hope that works for you. It doesn't work for me. I really can't pray very well sitting down. It just doesn't work for me. Uh, I'll be looking at my desk and thinking about what all I got to get done. All the to-do list starts. It, it, it just, It's just hard for me. Now, I do know this. I do pray better when I get up earlier. Uh, I like to rise early and pray early in the mornings. Um uh, My wife is going to come now and share with you about something recently that kind of happened in her life that's kind of rejuvenated some things for her. And uh, so I'm going to let her come and talk about that right now.
0: Most recently, um, I've been getting up. I'm a pretty early riser anyway, and I've always gotten up early to do my quiet time and spend time studying the Bible and in God's Word. I um, have never had much trouble studying the Bible. I love it, and uh, so many guides you can use to help you through that time. I've had more trouble with the prayer part of the quiet time, because I can't keep my mind focused on that. Uh, I start thinking about, what am I gonna have for dinner tonight? And what have I gotta do at work today? And you know, Various things, you know, I need to clean the house and all kind of crazy stuff goes through your mind when you should be praying. So um, here recently, and I've tried various things. I've tried kneeling beside the bed, um, kneeling down in front of the window, praying out loud, you know, various things to try to keep your mind focused on God. And here's one thing I want to tell you. You don't have your quiet time to get brownie points with God. I think we all know that. You have your time with God to get God's perspective, to talk with him and to share with him. When you are when you don't do that, you're often thinking your thoughts and figuring out your own problems. And um, they're too big for us. We need to let God handle it. So you go to him to get his perspective and to see things the way he sees them. But um, most recently, God is kind of telling me to go for a walk with him. So I've been going walking in the mornings pretty early, you know, before 7. Usually I start before 7 and walk for about 30 to 45 minutes. And during this time, God has been talking to me. It's like my head is clear. And um, instead of thinking about this problem I have at work or what I'm going to make for dinner or that laundry or whatever, if I see a bird, I think, look at that bird. He's just flying around and he's not worried about anything. God is taking care of him. God is providing everything that that bird needs. You know, why are we not like that? Why are we not just trusting him that he's going to take care of everything? And um, I read somewhere, or Dave said it, stuff kind of gets mumble jumbled in your head, you know. But um, when you when you look up at the clouds, and particularly in the mornings, I don't know if you've noticed, but the clouds are more like spread out, and there's like little, little parts of clouds here and there. And uh, I read somewhere, or Dave said, the clouds are the dust of God's feet. So when I look up and I see the clouds, I think, oh, God, you're up there. There's the dust from your feet, and you're looking down on us. And just so many things when you're outside that you think about and you see around you and you realize that God created and how he can speak to you so much more clearly when your mind is not on other things. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Also, I do some of the same things that Dave said while I'm out walking um, you know, a lot of times on Facebook, people will say, "Please pray for me, something, something, something." You know, something's going on, and it's very important to them. And I see everybody in the world says, or everybody in the world says, "Prayers prayed, done, did it, did it." Well, I try to be careful about that. If I tell you on there or anywhere else that I'll pray for you, I don't want it to be flippant or you know, just a just an answer. I really want to mean it. And, you know, um, one scripture, I believe it was Samuel, that said, God forbid that I should sin in, in ceasing to pray for you or failing to pray for you. So if I tell you I pray, I will pray for you, I will. And particularly when I'm out walking with God and talking with him and thinking about that, I'll be praying about the need that you expressed to me. And um, he does bring a lot of those things to my remembrance while I'm out walking. So I have more time to, to think about those things and uh, the various needs that you've shared with me. But that's been really an amazing, wonderful thing that I've been doing recently where God's really been talking to me. And I know everybody in this room, if you've got small children, you can't leave them home and run out praying in the mornings. I've been in that position too. But at the position that I'm in in my life right now, this is working well for me.
1: The quote is not mine, but I will take credit. (laughs) Hallelujah, Isaiah. Isaiah. There we go. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. So it's it's not just a saying; it's the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't you don't you love coming to church? You never know what's gonna happen. A few other things that I want to mention that can bring you out of slumps. I mentioned books. I think books really can't help you come out of slumps sometimes. They're not to replace the word. You hear me? They're not to replace the word. They're to come alongside the word. Serve like a coach, a mentor. So books. Uh, I would like to say also people. People can really help you come out of a slump. Uh, when uh, God moved in my life back in the in the 90s through Promise Keepers, uh, god really made me uh, become a person that lives in accountability i've I lived in accountability ever since then and i get all, i get emotional god's done some great things in my life through accountability you need people in your life you're not you're not made to be a lone ranger uh, like i said i'm looking for people to do life together can we say amen i like living life together with other people uh and uh in promise keepers uh I'm looking at this brother right here because uh, he remembers all this. And uh, you need three. You need three for men. You need three people in your life. You, you need a Paul in your life, someone who pours into you. Paul was always pouring into people. Man, he was pouring into Timothy. Is he, he was mentoring people, and you need somebody to pour into you. I have that. You need a Timothy, someone you pour into. <laughs> Calm down. You need someone that you pour into because if someone's pouring into you, then it's sad for you to sit there and just soak, pour it into someone else who can also just that whole process. So you need a Paul who pours into you. You need a a Timothy you pour into, and you need a Titus. A Titus. Now, we don't hear that word very much. Titus is that friend. He's that John Allard that comes alongside of you and says, You know what, man, you're messed up. You're struggling. You need to get to the doctor. And, and, and he's the guy you hang out with, that you have fun with, but can be your best friend. And he could he can call you on the carpet about something. Am I making sense there? You know, if he sees you yelling at your wife, he's allowed to call you out. And, hey, man, do you realize how, how firm what you said to your wife? You don't need to be doing that. You need a Titus in your life. Someone you can be real transparent with who will open up. And you need this kind of people in your life. And I've got some of those. So you need those kind of people, and they can help bring you out of those spiritual slumps and those, those places. Let me give you some places where you can get some good coaching. Church, can we say amen? It's free. It doesn't cost anything. It's a great place. Uh, uh-uh. We don't see as many of these as we used to, but I really, uh, conferences are a good place. Sometimes you need to pull yourself away, such as the Cove up in Asheville with Billy Graham, the Billy Graham Training Center there. All through the year, they're doing week-long times in God's word. You can go study a book. You can study a topic, but sometimes a conference will do you really, really good. When Teresa and I had been at Trendale Baptist Church for eight years, they gave us a month sabbatical. Uh, they gave us a whole month away just to take a break. Teresa and I took off and went to Chicago and went to a conference with Jim Cimbala. Oh, lift, just lifted us, just lifted us, uh, out of spiritual slumps, new places. It's really good. Um, I would say to you, stick with the fundamentals. Can we say amen? Wes, can we say amen? (laughs) Wes is a coach, uh, a good coach too. Uh, He knows that you go out to that ball field and you do these same things over and over again because they're fundamentals and they'll come through for you in the long haul. You keep reading your Bible. You keep praying. You keep going to church. You keep having fellowship with others because it'll bring you through. I love this. I've said it a hundred times. Keep your head in the game. You say that usually after somebody's dropped the ball. <laughs> Can we say amen? Keep your head in the game. Keep your head in the game. You know, recently on Sunday nights, we did this amazing study on Paul. And how Paul, when he died, was in a prison. And he'd been chained to the wall. And he wrote Second Timothy. And this is what he said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all those who love his appearing. He wanted to quit sometimes. He wanted to stop sometimes. It was tough to run the race. It was tough to finish the course, but he did. I want to. How about you? Recognize other people have slumps too. Can we say amen? Others have slumps. You need to recognize that. Go back through the scriptures. Remember the ups and downs of others, but you will see a pattern in the scriptures. If you'll go through and study the people who had slumps, you'll see that God was faithful. God was faithful. We sang about that this morning. God, you're you're faithful. We sing that old hymn, great is thy faithfulness. We sing a new version. All saying the same thing, just different generations. Can we say amen? God is faithful. He'll get you through it. I want to give you about two or three more for the road. We doing all right. Spend time in the right places. No matter how flashy we get, we will never escape the power of of the Bible. Church serves a purpose in our spiritual growth. Prayer happens when you get along with God. (laughs) Some people encourage us to walk with Christ and some don't. Don't expect to jumpstart your spiritual life if you're hanging out in the wrong place. We just finished up David, right? Remember when David was on the roof? He was in the wrong place because the scripture says it was time for kings to go out to battle. And if he went out the battle, he'd have probably avoided that downfall. Make sure you hang out at the right place. I'm going to mention two more. I've mentioned one already. Uh, accountability. I really believe accountability is a wonderful thing in life. I really, really do. Uh, there's some of you sitting in this room, though. You're so entrenched. You will not go there. There's some people sitting under the sound of my voice right now that you you have a stronghold in your life that you really, really struggle with. And you haven't had freedom from in years, and you want to submit yourself to someone else for them to coach you and mentor you and can bring you to a whole new place of freedom. Accountability is an amazing tool that God has given. And the next thing I want to say to you is chart your course or chart your progress. Okay. Um, I, I would probably not said this, you know, on the front end of the, my, my ministry, but I, I'll say it now. Uh, a track record is a good thing. I go to the why. And when I go to the Y, uh, they have these machines that I use and it records your progress. And if I miss like four or five days, I go in and I log in, a message comes up, Dave, we haven't seen you in a while. Where have you been? Your cardio is not up to where it should be. And I I go, delete. (laughs) But it gave me the message. It showed me that I wasn't progressing and I need to get back with it. I'm glad it's there, you know. And the machines also, like when you get to your maximum reps, it'll tell you kick up the weight. You have reached your max, and and you want to go up a you want to go up a full plate, a half a plate. I'd like to have a plate to eat, please. <laughs> Charge that. I want you to know that charting, of course, can really help bring you out of a slump. Uh, back in two thousand and ten, I uh, I had gained quite a bit of weight. I got up uh, over two hundred pounds, the most I'd ever been in my life. I was up around two hundred five. And I did all the things that uh, I would normally do to uh, to lose the weight, and it just didn't happen. And so I got a I got a I got a coach, I got a trainer, and he met with me for a week. I I met with him, I, uh, and he he asked me some questions, and he said that I'm only going to work with you a week because what I'm going to do is give you a roadmap, and if you'll stick with what I tell you to do and you do what I tell you to do, this will happen. And I keep it because I still got it. And at the top. It's uh, strength strength and tone training three days per week followed by cardio. Uh, on, on the weights you needed to uh, one day you would work on upper body, another day you'd work on lower body but each of those was to be followed with 45 minutes of cardio and you were to do two, two sets of eight to 12 reps. It says cardio over here, uh, calorie burning 34 five minutes and, and and down here it starts 192 189. 187, and down it goes. And I can see my progress. And if I'm not sure, am I doing this right? I got it right there. Chart your progress. Now, how do I chart my progress now? The way I chart my progress is a journal. When I have my quiet time, I write down some reflections afterwards about what God said to me in that study, okay? I do that on my computer. There was a day when I did it with paper and pencil. Y'all remember those days? but now I do it on a computer. Whatever works for you. Now, I, uh, men get scared when I say, write something down. You know, men go, what? Pencil paint, write it down. When I say, write it down, I'm talking maybe two sentences, a little paragraph. Just that central thing that popped out to you that day from God's word, you know, just write it down because you might want it later and then you can go find it, you know? So chart your course. Those kind of things help bring you out of a spiritual slump. Let's stand together. Hope you'll be back with us tonight. Uh, tonight, we're going to continue to talk a, a little bit about uh, uh, we, what we talked about today, how to come out of a spiritual slump. I've got a tremendous video for you to watch, and the title of it is called Sifted. Do you remember a, a place where Jesus looked at Simon Peter, and he says, Simon Peter, Satan has demanded permission to sift you. And Jesus did not say, you know what, Simon, I'm not going to let that happen. He said, Simon, I've prayed for your faith and I hope it holds on. Sifted. Hope you'll be with us tonight. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this good day. Thank you for your love for us and thank you for what we just experienced. Thank you for your body and your blood. Thank you for the joy of worship today. Bless us as we go now in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
0: Contact your host, Pastor Dave Williams, by email at Dave at skyhighmediallc.com. How are you tracking the videos presented by Sky High Media Copyright 2023? Beyond, written and performed by David J. Available on Spotify.